Hello guys, and welcome to Brothers of the Game, or BOTG as we like to call it. I am Ton, and then Baggins is somewhere. Where are you, Baggins? I'm right here. I'm over here on the right side. Oh, okay. You're on the right side. That's right. I'm on That's the right. right side. Okay. That's cool. Of the law. Oh, snap. I'm a criminal. It's okay. So, I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, little pilot episode we had. We enjoyed making it. A uh, little bit of tumbles here and there. And, obviously, some of our predictions that we made about the World Cup were busted. So, that was great. Um, but, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, just one little announcement before I continue on. Those of you who are listening on SoundCloud, um, don't get overly used to it. Because I might have to switch this to being fully on Anchor. Anchor? Anchor? What? I don't know how English... Anyways, we'll have to move it there because SoundCloud likes limiting us to only a certain amount of time we can have on there unless we pay for it. So I'm a Scrooge and I really don't want to pay to have to keep stuff up. Because if we do just have to deal with just a limited time, I'd have to delete old episodes. And if you guys wanted to go back and listen to them, I don't want to have to make you have to go listen on YouTube and then go find Anchor. I think it'd just be easier if you just made a full conversion over to Anchor. So... Uh, we'll see what happens, but just just a heads up. The next couple of episodes should go out on SoundCloud until it fills up. I'll let you know when that happens. But uh, just go ahead and start figuring out Anchor and uh, trying to get used to it in a sense. So with that all being said, we're going to move on to our uh, oldie topic. So basically we're going to look back and kind of reminisce about one of our older games. Uh, Baggins got to go last time, and he's making me go this time to pick a game because apparently that's fair. So... Um, the game we're going to talk about is Sly Cooper. So, if you guys don't know what Sly Cooper is, it's kind of a, uh, is it an RPG? Would it be an RPG? No. No. Baggins, mm, help me out here. It would be more of like an, an action, adventure, puzzle. Okay, it's, like, it's, it's genre is platform stealth game. Platform stealth game. So, yes. it's, it's almost like a cartoonish Assassin's Creed, if you really want to think of it like that. Almost. If, it, if, if you're going with the first one, if you're going with the first Sly Cooper, it's mm. kind of almost like that. Because you do have to be sneaky. You do take out people. But anyways, you play yeah. as like a raccoon and you're out trying to collect parts of your family book and trying to learn new moves and whatnot. It was a really fun game. It was introduced to me by a friend and I just fell in love with it and it's been a great time. Those of you who followed me on my uh, YouTube channel, my Tauntaun7771, you'll notice that my Minecraft skin that I have is Sly Cooper because that's just I just love that character so much. And so it's it was just such a great game to play. The mechanics were awesome. I loved the story in it. Like I'm just a sucker for good stories in games. It just mm, it was just beautiful. And then you can't go wrong with his sidekicks that he has in the game. It's you know Demurray and Bentley. Two OP guys. I love them. They're awesome. And I know Baggins played it a little bit after I got done playing it. So what are your thoughts on the games, Baggin? Well, first off, I'd like to give the people a little bit of a background as to what Sly Cooper is. It was made back in 2002 by Sucker Punch Productions. It is a PS exclusive, first coming out on the PlayStation 2, then being ported over to the PlayStation 3, and then eventually put onto the PlayStation Vita, which is their handheld mobile device. That failed. Uh, it hasn't really failed. It's just it, it it was bad timing with, you know, mobile phones are so good at what they do nowadays. That's like, 
why would I buy that? Or like the Nintendo DS is really good at what it does. It's like eat. Eh. When you have games like Sly Cooper, you don't want to play it on a tiny screen. You want to play it on a TV or in the living room. You know, it's like you don't, you or don't really want to do anything else. Yeah. Put it on the Switch. Go, Sony. Let it go. Let it be free and in the wild. Let us be so, happy. So, yeah, that, that's kind of the slight background. Just, you know, it, you can go Google it yourself. Um, but the main premise of the story is you are Sly Cooper of the Thievi or of the... Is it the Thievius? No. No, you're part of the Cl- Cooper clan. Cooper clan who has a Thievius Raccoonus. And, um, yeah, so it's like their family history it, book. Yes, and it has all... It's like it's like the Dojo Master book. You know, It's got all the moves in it. And you go mm-hmm. and you collect the pieces of it because you kind of you lose, lose it somehow because Sly sucks at keeping family history, apparently. <laughs> no, so, it was stolen you know. from him. I know, but everybody else managed to keep it safe. So his, Sly his, just sucks his at family his job. got jumped as he was a kid, man. Well, his parents sucked then. Okay, dang man, father and mother get massacred in front of his face, and it's suddenly Sly's fault. It's Jeez, the man fault. was only like five. Well, he should have known better. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so wow. the whole game, you're trying to recollect the Thievius Raccoonus, and we're talking about game one. We're not going to go into game two and three. Those are also great, oh, and four. Those are all great games, but we're just going to talk about Numero Uno. Yes, because that was that's really the first one that started this whole thing. It was a really yes. good classic game. I liked it. Very good. I mostly enjoyed the art style of the game. The mechanics are really interesting, too. Like, even in games now, granted, I don't play a lot of other games that are similar to this um but the mechanics are just different at least to me i'm sure there's plenty of other games that have the exact same mechanics to them but it's like for me personally with the games that i've played is just is different from everything else but the main thing that i really liked is just the art style it's kind of like borderlands where everything has a slight black outline but it's not full-on borderlands i'd say yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a style there's a there's some style that it has a name. I don't remember what the name is though. It's like a stamp view or something. But like it was just it was real memorable. Even the boss battles that you had to do in there were really good and each one was unique to that boss. So you had to do different things. I remember the one I think the most memorable one in that game is where I had to go against the voodoo alligator. And that was just mm-hmm. so much fun having to do it along with the boss and just basically you were doing like a karaoke kind of fight it was really interesting i really liked it yeah the boss battles were like even on easy they're pretty difficult which i mean Mm -hmm. they're expected to be but you know most games you go on easy mode and you get in like one or two tries you rarely go up to like 10 tries which is what some of them would do on sly cooper it's like why is this so hard i set it to easy or normal whatever the lowest one was for my first run through. And it's like, this is impossible. So you can only imagine how it would be later on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a really well-made game. And if you guys want to play it, uh, you could try and find yourself an old PS2 and play it. Or if you have a PS4 or anything, you can do a PS. What was it PS now? Is that what we did? PS Now, yes. Yeah. PS Now has all of them on there, I do believe. I think so. So you could do that and play the game on that. Or if you have an old PS3, there should be like a trio pack of one through three that you can play. 
The newest one is only is a PS4 exclusive, so that's kind of sucks. I don't really like the way that PlayStation has their PS now, where it's like a massive subscription per month. It's like twenty bucks a month. I'm not happy with yes, that. Yes, you can do the Sly Cooper Collection, which I believe has the first three, and then you have the other one as a separate one, which is Thieves in Time. Yeah, which is the newest one made by a separate developer. But I'm I'm really happy that the developers that took over, who are Sanzaru Games. So this was made in 2010 to 2013. It launched 2013. And the last... Well, actually... Yeah, no, the, the last one's in there. Anyway, they actually pretty much stuck right to the style of Sly Cooper. The only thing that changed is that it's a little more high def. But yeah, outside of that, it's, it's just a little basically the looking. exact same. And that's and what the, you expect with yeah. a newer game is that it, they just increase the graphic quality. Agreed. Agreed. That's what you should expect. I mean, you're running it on the PS4, which can run 4K. So if it doesn't mm-hmm. have slightly better graphics, there's a problem. Yeah. And also, I think the animations or the animated shorts that were in between each dealio were a bit better, too, compared to the older games. I mean, just to tell you how popular it is, like if you go to the PlayStation Now website, the Sly Cooper collection is on that screen as one of the games listed with God of War, Red Dead Redemption. It, it's, it's up there. The it, it's a so classic. It's like they only put games on the splash screen that are going to catch attention to people that want to play said older games. So, you know, mm-hmm. it was a good series. Yeah, take a look into it. Watch some gameplays here and there if you can find them. There's a uh, seven-day free trial if you don't mind just grinding out all of them in a week, which yeah. you, you can do easily. Yeah. The games aren't like overly difficult, but it does take quite some time. If you sit down for a weekend and just dedicate it, like I think we almost we made we basically made it through. I think we pre- we basically did it in a weekend and I think we had to finish it up like just a little bit yeah, I on think one we, more day. Yeah. Yeah, I think we did. But then again, we days. weren't 100% completing it. We we're just going through the story mode, which is really all you actually need. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. To be honest, like the other stuff is just a perk if you have it. Well, I mean in game 1, if you get all the if you get a hundred percent, you get more moves and whatnot. But in like the newer game, it doesn't really matter. But anyways, mm-hmm. so that's Sly Cooper. Check it out. Fun game. It's enjoyable. And so, speaking of things being stolen, let's talk about the World Cup results um, that happened this last weekend. Um, so I had a fifty percent win rate because uh, half my teams that I predicted made it. So, and then overall, my team that I picked to win the whole World Cup did win. So, I think I won the challenge overall. Because you went with the obvious pick, K. I mean, anybody could say South Korea and they'd be right. Uh, Okay. It's just too obvious of a pick. Well, you know, I'm just, I mean, you know, it's not my fault I'm OP. But we can say. You're not OP. I am OP. You're just going with the mainstream. Either way, even though South Korea did go all the way, they did have a big fight in the top four. Like, we can't deny that the U.K. actually brought the thunder because the U.K. actually beat the U.S. and then made Korea have a run for their money. They drew back-to-back. Yeah. they South Korea won the first map, and then for the next two maps, they tied, and then on the last map, South Korea won it. So, Which, I mean, even in the league, you don't see back-to-back ties. It's no, you don't. One and that, tie, and then from that there just, on, it's that just tells you how good all the character, like all the heroes, you know, in there are. Like, like I all don't the know. heroes. All, I mean, the UK heroes. are heroes right now. Like that, nobody would have thought that the UK could have stood up to South Korea the way Except that they for did. Stylosa. Okay, you know, Stylosa is just biased, and he just got lucky this <laughs> round. So we're not even giving him that at this point in time. 
So, I mean, congrats for the UK on making it that far. I mean, they failed and they came in fourth place because they fell to Canada. Couldn't take out their, you know, colony, I guess. But, you know, but in the UK-US, as we said, UK won. So, I lost that round. Whatnot. So did Baggins. So, it's, you know, even... Even lost, and then the Australia. Well, nobody South- expected the U.S. to just completely like lay over and get the crap beaten out of them. Like I know they didn't really try. It, it wasn't even really a fight, to be honest. No, it, it was, was a three-one match. And over with. It was, it was just ridiculous. The only map that they won was the very first one, which was Ilios, and so it was like I just I don't know what happened. Like they did not prepare for anything. Almost they got cocky, I guess. They is- veered from the memes. Yeah, that might be it too. But then again, there's a certain tank on that lineup that's nothing but a feeder. So that's just me. And then in the next one, Australia versus South Korea. Obviously, South Korea won. So well, you know, we're, someone's we're, got to have faith in the underdog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna move on from that. <laughs> Moving down, China versus Finland. China pulled out and took out Finland. So that was, I think, an expected outcome almost, but. I know we were hoping that Finland would do better because they looked really good in the qualifying rounds, but China really came out and their their tanks. I think it was Guixu, Guixu. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he was really good. Like watching some of his gameplay and just watching him during the matches, he was just really good as being a tank. Like I, his Reinhardt was amazing until they played South Korea. But anyways, just all that they did was really good. It was I was I was an amazed by what china was able to do to finland yeah i mean it just shows how important your tank line is like because they, they literally basically carried the china team mm-hmm. it was pretty crazy like that dude it, is a beast it means that and china all actually know, has like, good tanks it means they have good players in general so <laughs> freaking all the overwatch league china teams need to get their act together and actually pick the good players <laughs> and stop picking freaking these oh look roshan and like stop just 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 stop stop, boys just just stop and then in the last one of that day was canada versus france of in which in sadness the french lost 3-0 which i feel like they should have at least had one map win but apparently that was too much to ask for so i mean i know baggins knew that canada was really good so I mean, kudos to them for making it that far and taking out France. I mean, it's just it's, the teams I was hoping that would do really good in the matchups that would be really good weren't the case. And then the ones that were really good were just kind of like that's like the only one that's taken consistent was South Korea. So, you know. Yeah, you know, they kept their lives together until they went against the UK where it was almost like they might have been knocked out. Uh, they're just out. playing with their food. So essentially and so in the top 40 yeah, we already talked about south korea and the united kingdom which was probably the biggest match so if you want to watch anything and want to see some really good gameplay of two amazing teams watch that the south korea and united kingdom game really good and then china and canada came in china again swept canada with the power of their tanks it was just it was hilarious to watch just to see how good china was and how tilted xqc got i feel like so it, it was fun it was fun to see that and so, and then in the third place, Delio, Canada beat the United Kingdom 3-2. Talked about that. And then South Korea coming against China. They 4-0'd China in a best-of-seven matchup. So that told you how much 
South Korea was just ready to go, which I found it interesting because I was watching some of the highlights uh, just before we started the stream, and the composition that they ran the most was a triple support life, which was Lucio, Zenyatta, and Regita, and then they would usually have some kind of DPS, either a McCree or a Sombra, and then they would be running, like, dive tanks, which is a very interesting composition because, I mean, it makes sense and it has a lot of versatility, so I just They're I wonder if like that's going to be a meta now ghost. for the Overwatch League. It's almost like a reverse goats, which is becoming more popular in the game as you watch here and there. So I'm really amazed that it, like, it worked as well as it did because I feel like you could have countered it really easily. But then again, you have Jonak as the Zenyatta, so that's basically that's a second exactly DPS. That's why they had three heals because they just figured, ah, Jonak's DPS, just throwing in a save. Yobi, take, take, take it. Just oh, exactly. take Brigida. We're fine. We don't. Oh, I mean, no. it was flat on Brigida, but. Doesn't matter. We we don't need a widow or a McCree. We we need a brig, because brig equals wins. Yeah, I know. Yeah, sometimes it does. And I'm happy with brig. Not a lot of people are, but I'm okay with brig because she jazzes up the meta, a lot, and she's able to help change situations. And it makes you think about how to counter things. It makes you no, stop and you can't plan. plan in a fast-paced game. Like. No. Yes, you can. Like that's what—that's the whole purpose of this game, is to plan things out, and you're able to switch out to help counter those comps that you run you into. This, but this so. is COD. Thank you. <laughs> this is Skins COD. equals wins. Okay. So, but I think overall, I think the World Cup was really good. I really liked it. It was fun to you know view which we'll get into a little bit later about the viewer that we were able to watch the games through and i i just i mean we all knew south korea was going to make it through but i think the compositions that we saw throughout the dlo especially through south korea was really interesting it was all quite good quite quite good quite good he says quite good and so the next one which was part of the blizzcon stuff um they showed an animated short which was it's it's in my top five i think um so they showed a, a an animated short called reunion if you haven't seen it yet just go onto youtube type in reunion overwatch and you'll see it so basically what happened was is exactly what we were hoping not to happen but with a twist so last week we said we didn't want a mccree short because it did not it wouldn't add to lore and it wouldn't be like that good and it would just be kind of garbage but this one it it actually added to the lore and introduced a few new things uh, here and there. So that's kind of my uh, thought process on it. Like, it wasn't as terrible as I thought it was going to be. I was actually amazed at how good it was. Like, that's why it's in my top five-ish area. So what, what are your I thoughts on it, Baggins? I think it's a piece of work, you know. The team did a great job, and um, they should do more like that because reasons. Well, you know, I mean, I think the, the way that it was done, like the storyline is kind of okay. I kind of enjoy it. It's, it's a bit of a bit of a cliche. There were some parts here and there, like whenever they were doing the standoff, I didn't really like that. It was too long, and there wasn't anything there to help intensify it. Whereas you see in some of the older westerns where you have like a lot of high bass stuff going on to intensify the moment, it was just normal sound effects which kind of lost the moment for me. But then they added in lore bits where you find Echo. What the frick did she come from? She came from a pod. And then that kind of 
yeah, like some kind of weird alien. But Bob, Bob's the only place. thing we really Wonder care about. So, oh my lord, Bob is amazing. That my favorite, part, my favorite part is when he's sweating oil. That's we like have hilarious. Sweating some oil, my dude. Just wouldn't. So it was, uh, it was so great, and then, uh. I mean, again, I think the story is moderately okay. And then some of the scripting was kind of weird. Like, the one part of the script that I really did not like was the interaction that Echo and McCree had when McCree was heading off to his bike. And he says, say hi to the monkey for me. And she's like, what? Scientist. And then there's a very long pause. Whatever. It's like, that just seemed choppy to me. Like, it didn't, it didn't flow smoothly. I know why he said monkey. Is so that well, we the have the meme for the community he, or whatever. He had to put his cigar back in his mouth, dude. Okay, he's got to put that cigar but back in I his just, mouth. I just—I don't know. It just—it. I know he's got to put it back in his mouth, but it just—it did—it did not flow smoothly to me. Like it—it it was. You had this great dialogue. You had all this great stuff, and then you get to that, and it's just. You know, it's like you're on you're, you're on a surfboard picky, on a nice man. little wave, and then you hit some what? rocks, and it just gets boppy. I, this is I like that I, interaction. That, this that is why I flowed kind of good for me. And, well, good for you. No, and you're you're just too over analytical, dude. I do video work and cinematography, so it's like it's something I have to pay attention to. But again, it's again all opinion based. But that's just one of the things that kind of bugged me the most was that stuff. And then I, I, the pie was cool, but I didn't. I don't know if the pie was necessary. Well, what's he gonna do? And you I know, rather... he's sitting there waiting for the train to blow up. That's like the best thing. He's just gonna sit there and eat some pie, drink some coffee, look at the scenery, and wait for the train to I blow know, but up. But I feel like I feel like I would have rather him sit there with a beer or something. Like I feel like Is that's the all American cowboy Not in a eat a pie train diner thing in a typical diner like you don't okay you don't okay. have a beer in that situation fair enough the cliche you know you don't go downtown okay, to like your local it. diner and be like i want a beer you go to a bar for that okay it's your you typical You're like right. 80s You're right. themed You're right. diner or would that be 80s or 70s i think it's <laughs> our favorites oh yeah favorite 50s, 50s. 50s i'm like way off there the 70s way off i know my time frames 50s sitcom right. 70s diner don't know it's uh jeez, but yeah no i think it's it's a decent short like again it's in my top five it beats out like you know maze and divas by a mile but it doesn't it doesn't no no you don't get to have an opinion because you actually think those are good and they're trash they're trash baggins. I would put it like right below May and in between like between May and Diva. I I like wow. me the May short. Wow. I don't know why, because you're mental. Anyways, that could be another segment where we talk about maybe the uh the cinematic shorts and how we would rank them. Maybe we'll do that if we run out of topics. We do our like our top five and we explain why. But for me, I think I think the reunion was nice. It was it was a lot better than what we predicted it was going to be, and uh, how we felt it was going to be. So I'm happy about that. So I enjoyed it. I really did. Just just little quirks here and there. And so in the animated short, where we meet our new hero, number hero twenty nine, Bob. Bob the, the Omnic. Bob. We all wish it was Bob. 
No, it's not Bob, sadly. It's the main villain, we'll say, in the cinematic short, which is Ash. And so she's like the leader of the Deadlock gang where McCree used to work at. And so she helps get this train derailed and whatnot. And so she's a pretty cool character. Like, I I can't deny that. So she's a damage hero, which is what we all needed in life, was more damage to the damage zone that has like 80 heroes already. Yeah, we already discussed that they go in a pattern. So even though Jeff has said they need more tanks and heals, they can't veer from the pattern. Yep. They have to stick with what they have, their little pattern that they get going with. So, but, uh, yeah, so Ash herself is a, fires a rifle from her hip or uses her weapon aim down sights to line up a high damage shot. She blasts enemies by throwing dynamite and her coach gun packs enough punch to put some distance between her and her foes. And Ash is not alone as she can call on her omnic ally, Bob, to join the fray when the need arises. I mean, the, the hero that we needed but didn't deserve, Bib. Bob. Bib. So, Ash uses a semi-automatic uh, rifle, which is pretty nice. I think playing it on the PTR not too long ago, uh, it felt really good. It felt nice. I mean, it does a lot of damage, which is great because it's going to shred tanks. Joy. But... Uh, She's, she's a good character, and I think she's a better pick uh, above, like, McCree and Soldier at this point, and is just more versatile. Uh, her dynamite works out really well. It's just an explosive you can chuck out, and you can either shoot it uh, immediately to make it blow up, or you can wait till the timer ticks down, and then it'll blow up, and then it'll cause, like, a damage effect as it continues on. And then she has a coach gun, which uh, makes her basically boop around. It's like a, it's like a shotgun boop, so... It does damage, it knocks you and your enemy back, or you could use it as like a rocket jump to get up to high places. So it's fun. And then her ultimate, Bob, the best freaking ultimate so far in the game, is a giant Omnic that just comes out of the sky, runs forward, knocks people up, and then it sits down and he's a turret for the rest of the time until he has to go home. And so, I just love Bob. And with Bob, you can nano boost him, you can heal him, you can shield him, you can give him armor is he's just so awesome to have i feel like i feel like he's going to be nerfed hard and i think ash will be too just by the how much damage and stuff she does but uh, what are your thoughts on ash uh, baggins well you see the thing is it's like she's a cool hero she she looks fun she looks great but as soon as you put her into a game we're now gonna have the essentially triple sniper meta where we had the double sniper meta, but now we're going to have the triple sniper mm. meta because she can two-shot with a headshot. Granted, the other two snipers, it's just a one-shot kill with a headshot at full charge. But, you know, if she can even just, like, knock people down halfway, then the other sniper doesn't have... Yeah, the, the other just body shot widows all day work, long. So it'll also yeah. put some pressure on the goats comp because her dynamite does sustained fire damage now granted with three healers it's not really going to be a huge problem but you know and then that comp normally sticks in a group so bob is going to be very effective against that especially if he can just break ryan's mm-hmm. shield then you know it's not really going to do you much good that's so true yeah i didn't even think about that is that she could enforce a triple sniper meta and just help out 
you know, body shot widows all day long. Oh, well, I mean, and Jeez. she could even just be a no, replacement for a Hanzo. Like, so you could technically, st- you could technically still have mm, the dual. Because to me, Bob is a little more useful than the dragons. So I would switch out a Hanzo for her because she still has mobility like Hanzo. Like, granted, she can't just climb walls everywhere she likes, but, you know, she's got mobility. So it's not like you're switching Hanzo out from a Kree. So you could still do the technically dual sniper meta. But she's not technically a sniper. She probably does. She more doesn't damage do more damage than Hanzo because Hanzo can one shot with a headshot. So, I mean, no, she can one shot headshot a tracer. Maybe. But outside of that, anything above 150 health, she can't. Hmm. But no, I agree with you that mm, I didn't even think about that. It doesn't matter. I have Bob, and that's what matters in yes, life. Yes, but Bob comes at a cost. My man with the boulder hat. In the end, Bob, yeah. like, he seems like a huge problem, and 1,200 health is quite a lot, but even with the goats comp, like, you have a brig. Bob comes in. He kind of shoots. Your Ryan's probably going to likely have his shield still, so he'll have his shield kind of blocking some of the damage. Bob might get one of you. But if you all just focus on Bob for literally two seconds, he's going to be screwed because Briggs is going to bash him. He's going to be stunned. Ryan can pin him if he wants. And then D.Va can literally just eat everything for a few seconds while everybody just knocks him around and does whatever they want. So in the end, it seems like a huge issue, but that's only going to be in lower ranks where they don't know how to deal with it. It's extremely counterable. And if you have a good Widow... Once the Widow takes out the other enemy Widow, if it's a dual sniper thing, it's going to be easy-peasy for her to take out an Ash, especially since she'll technically have two chances to do it because even if Ash hits her with a headshot, she has another chance to take Ash out. So it's not like a 1v1 with a Widow. Like, mm-hmm. if you screw up and the enemy Widow gets the headshot, it's like game over. This technically gives Widow two chances at taking you out. So in the end it's like anybody's game yeah, but you know it's just still enforcing the whole ranged thing it is and that's kind of luckily sad, though she sense. is slightly anti-dive but at least she doesn't have a stun and it's just a knockback so you know it's not as bad as what it could be because you can still kind of dive yeah. her as winston or as diva And even with, like with the new comp that we saw with uh, South Korea, if you have a Zenyatta and you Discord Bob, he'll exactly. grind down even faster. So it's like, so it'll, it'll it'll be an interesting thing for sure. So um so yeah, that's the new hero. If you have PC, you can download the PTR and player, or you can just wait. I think another week or so, and then she'll be on the live servers to, uh, to mess around and play with. Uh, so she'll be an interesting hero. Uh, I wonder what they're going to nerf first on her. What do you think, Baggins? Honestly, I think she's kind of balanced. They might reduce her damage really? a little bit, like her critical damage. Not not like basically her headshot damage. They might nerf a little bit because they're not wanting to implement another sniper technically. So probably, well, I mean, even McCree, it's two shots and it's a headshot. So it's she's kind of like another mccree she just has more mobility so i think she's in an okay place right now maybe 
maybe her shotgun gets a slight nerf. I don't know. Maybe the boop is too far or something, or trajectory is not right. But I don't think she's a hugely broken character. Like, she seems fairly balanced. Like, she looks OP, but if you just have the team kind of work together, she's easy to circumnavigate. Like, you don't have to dedicate the whole team to her. Unlike with Brigida, when she came out, you basically had to dedicate the whole team to taking her out. Yeah, that's Ash true. is more manageable than most new heroes. That's true. Uh, yeah, I can agree to that. So, enjoy playing her, guys. Uh, let us know what you think in the comments down below of the new character, Ash. And uh, we're going to move on to our next topic, which is... Uh, talking about the changes coming to contenders in this next uh, 2019 season. So they decided to do a bunch of changes to contenders, which is some of it I feel like is necessary, and then others of it's like it's kind of a strain, but yet I think it's more of growing pains than it is like ruining contenders like a lot of people are thinking. So one of the things that they're doing um, is they're adjusting the way prizing is distributed uh, to more heavily reward top teams. This change allows them to more directly support the best players in the world on their journey towards the Overwatch League. So I think, if I remember this correctly, this is more, instead of rewarding the team itself, they reward players. So it promotes more, like, independent player performance, which kind of does suck because you don't want that to happen in a team. But in the same sense, if we remember my definition from last time, Contenders is here to get people ready to go to the Overwatch League. This is basically the pool where Overwatch League well, I mean, teams will first like come to football, to pull players out. It's just like with football. You don't hire on a whole team. You hire on a few players. So it's the same situation. It's just mm -hmm. it's kind of common so far with Overwatch League that a couple of teams are just straight up hired an entire you know low-tier team. Well, not low-tier, but like not over like when the like with the mayhem it was just one whole team they just grabbed their they basically just changed their name they didn't like have to grab yeah. them. they just changed their name into the florida mayhem oh yeah so there were several teams like, in, in the overwatch it's just that were it's just trying to help veer from the whole let's just buy the whole team and then they realize well this team has not been conditioned for this type of play so it doesn't really work out and then they end up just deleting half mm -hmm. their roster. And it's like, I feel like they're just trying to get rid of that so that they're more focused on individual players and not, this team is really good together. Let's just get as many of them as we can, and they're just going to have instant synergy, so we don't have to do anything. They're trying to make it more focused to where we want individual. Like, you're not going to look at a quarterback and be like, you know, this team's really good. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab the whole Alabama, you know, offense. Like you don't do that. You you look at the quarterback and be like, this guy is really good at making decisions. Even when his team makes mistakes, he is able to pull through outside of his team and make good plays. Like they want you need to start focusing on players themselves and not a team because if the player can't sustain themselves without a team around them, like a certain team, if they can't hold their own outside of the team then it's not really going to work out for you so you got to showcase player individual individuality mm -hmm. and it also changes the way that coaching is done in a sense but it'll just change how often the coaches have to jazz up their like lineup 
because I know a lot of coaches are saying, well, this is just going to ruin the synergy of all the teams. It's like, instead of saying it ruins it, it gives more of an opportunity well, the to thing coach is, it's your only team in a better way or learning a new coaching technique. players are taking this as an attack on them to be, okay, I have to outdo my teammates. What a player should be thinking is, I can use my teammates to help me shine brighter, so I need to work with them more and get better working with them and showcase, and they can help showcase my skill set while in turn, I will also be showcasing their skill set because we are working together so well. But there's going to be a lot of players that are thinking, mm-hmm. well, this is a one show. I'm Call of Duty. Let's go. So as long as the yeah you know the coaches kind of instill that type of mentality, it shouldn't be a problem. It's like with that one coach that made that comment. He's going to be the downfall of the team, not not the switch. It's going to be him having that mentality. Like, it's going to change coaching yeah. a little bit, but in the end, you shouldn't have to change it that much. You just need to put a little more emphasis on individual coaching. Like, you need to spend a little more, more time with each player individually to help them grow as a player, whereas before, they're kind of not really focused on doing individual coaching. They're doing it as a team coach. But to me, I feel like individual coaching should yeah. have been a thing before, even without this change being inputted, because, like... I'm going to use Alabama again. Saban does not just do strictly all-team coaching. He's going to work with individuals who he sees have problems in certain areas, and he is going to either he's personally going to work with them or he has another staff member that personally works with them, like with their field goal kicker. If he's kind of you know not doing well, they're going to work with him. They're going to work on him specifically and then integrate him back into the team. So – well, it's not even like integrating him back into the team. It's more of just like getting his skill up to par to where yes. he will be an asset to the team. So you do have the individual coaching styles, which is right. So you have your assistant coaches. You have well, and this is just like going to give assistant offensive coaches, coaches more of a your defensive point coaches. Overwatch, because right now I don't. They don't have much of a purpose yeah. because everything's been like let's look at the team as a whole and not each individual as a person. So this is where it can help influence maybe getting like specific coaches for like a DPS coach or getting like a tank mm-hmm. coach or getting a support coach, or you can even get more fine tuned and have like a hit scan DPS coach or a projectile DPS coach. It can just open up the field in the coaching world uh, just a lot more and give more opportunities for some of the amateur coaches to actually step up into the limelight and start getting some experience and whatnot. So I feel like it, it opens up the field more as long as you give it that kind of a view I can see how it's hindering because it is jazzing up the whole style of how Overwatch amateur esports has been done for the last few years, which we know how much people love change. So this is just something that people got to get used to and embrace it and roll with it instead of just rejecting it and seeing it as nothing but negativity. As of right now, like this is probably the best time to do it because they've only just initiated contenders as like trying to do it pretty much professional like as professional as they can give it with their budget like they're trying to make it more look like the league just slightly lower tier so this is basically going into year two of that kind of look and if they're going to do something like this now's the time and they can't wait on it so true it's very true so moving on to the next point that they have on here uh, North America will split into two regions, each with eight teams, bringing the total number of regions to eight. This change reflects both the total 
number of Overwatch League Academy teams as well as our commitment to providing non-Academy teams with opportunities to develop and prove themselves to Overwatch League scouts as well as fans. So basically what they're doing is they're breaking up North America to North America West and North America East so that all the freaking Academy teams that there are with the Overwatch League can be in there because in the next one that we'll cover... We'll, we'll just go ahead because it kind of mixes together with this. And contenders will reduce the total number of teams in each region from 12 to 8 teams. We believe that this change will bring up the overall level of competition, which will serve to better hone contender players and provide more entertaining matches. This change is yet to be confirmed for Contenders China. Details will be released at a later date. So basically all the regions except China for right now, they're being reduced from 12 teams to 8 teams. So this is why North America was split up is because they have so many academy teams is that they need to have two regions so they can get all the academy teams in and also some and other academy non-academy teams, teams like as well. Sub-teams of the main Overwatch League teams for those who, you don't, who don't know. Yeah, like NYXL has like XL2 and then it's, Fusion. It's, it's like your second string kind Fusion of, academy. you know, except they're like completely separated from each other. You know, it's like having your main. It's like having. I mean, your essentially, main team still, the, you have like a full secondary team just kind of sitting there, doing their own thing in their own little league. Mm-hmm. And so, and they can either be picked up by the team that they're being academied for, or they can go to another Overwatch League team, uh, just like all the other contenders uh, that they do. So, I do agree that shrinking it down, I think, is a better idea than keeping it wider because. Now you're focusing in on the top tier teams and the matches will be better because I, I've heard a lot of stuff. I haven't been able to watch contenders that much, which I regret. And I know I hear a lot of stuff about contenders just being nothing but a lot of four O's. Like well, that's, that's the majority of the really matches. Is that just... Every time I go to watch it, it's like I one, I don't know these teams, but it's always like this just it's one sided every time I'm watching. It's like I don't want to watch it. If I wanted to watch it one sided, I'd just go watch South Korea or New York and, you know, watch them destroy everybody <laughs> like i'll just go i'll just go wow, to the finals wow. like i don't i don't need to be watching these even lower tier which are supposed to turn into higher tier players just like well obviously this team's not going to go anywhere so why should i bother watching no i agree like the, it has to be you have to make it more exciting and the way to do that is to shrink down the size of how many teams can be in the contender's spotlight. And that just makes it more fierce and makes, again, a lot of people see this as like a downfall. It's like, oh, we won't have as many teams to watch and it won't give as many opportunities. It's like, instead of looking at it, gives you a reason to fight. It gives you a reason to train hard and it gives you a reason to make your team better so they can get into well, contenders the thing and is, knock also maybe out of the It's team like, because, you know, people are going to think, well, not as many people are going to be showcased or no whatnot. But if you shrink the size, coaches and everybody else are going to have an easier time of sifting through just eight teams and picking who they want to add to their team after some of their players leave or after they trade or whatnot. So the cycling will actually happen faster than if you had 12 teams where it's like, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like putting, like if you have a powerhouse against not a powerhouse, you can't tell the skill level of the powerhouse because it's just already a one-sided thing. It's like, Alabama football going against some random somebody or other. It's like you can't judge their yeah you can't you the can't judge Cajuns. their skill based off of that game because it's 
kind of basically rigged from the beginning so you know it just it helps with the whole picking aspect and it's going to actually make things a lot smoother so for those of you who are keep on going like why they keep on talking about alabama football our family is very deep into that kind of uh environment we've been raised in alabama football since we were born you're we not banned so we baggers. very much follow the sport like yeah it, it's been in it's our blood deep, since deep like roots. we were born straight to the campus straight to yeah, the team so, straight to the coach so yeah literally like I, my one of one of our father's aunts was on the board that hired nick saban to the uh alabama football team so we have deep ties. Our dad, our great grandfather knew Paul Bear Bryant. For those of you who know football or college football, so it's it's all over the place. So that's why we compare it a lot because Alabama has recently gotten better, and that's because a they got a great coach who's been doing great things with the team and making them better. That's one reason why they're so great at the moment, and just the players themselves are coachable. And so that's kind of the things we kind of try and compare to here. Uh, when we're talking about Overwatch well, it's League also with contenders, and the coaching staff and things compare, like that. You know, NFL and Overwatch League are kind of equivalent, and then contenders is like the college football. So it's also just an easier comparison for people. Exactly. Like, okay, so Alabama's in college football, so the next tier up is NFL, so Overwatch League connects to NFL, and it's the same tier system. Exactly, exactly. So something like that. So uh, we're running a little short on time. So there's two other things that are more prevalent than others. Uh, one of them is that uh, the seasons in con- in the next season will be longer, and the total number of seasons will be reduced from three to two. So there's no longer going to be three season, three short seasons. There's going to be two longer seasons, which I think will be nicer and might make it more interesting and competition wise. And then the other thing that's getting a lot of people maybe riled up, but I'm kind of excited about it is that there's going to be a soft region locking uh, being introduced that ensures that contenders continue to, you know, bring in local talent from around the world. So this means that they will have to have a maximum of three. They can only they have can a, only like have three, three non-resident Koreans, players on their roster. Unless they're from Korea. Exactly. Exactly. So if, you know, you can't be, you know, how the United Kingdom was with the London Spitfire where they got all, like again, this is for contenders, I guess. So you can't just have an all Korean roster. If you're from Australia, you can have maybe three Koreans or you know somebody from New Zealand and things like that. I don't know how the region locking works, but this does promote more local talent, which is what we all want to see. I we know South Korea and China are freaking powerhouses, and we know that they're good at the game. But we want to see other teams like South America. I'd love to see some Brazilians or you know some people from Argentina. I'd love to see some like great skill coming out of there and making it to the Overwatch League, like hydration. Like I'd love to see that. Love to see more of that. Yeah, and it just I'm it just, just prevents. I, I kind of like you know, that. I like, really do like the an example in the video we watched. NYXL, they basically just have a small incubator team that's like, okay, this person's leaving. We've been incubating this guy to take his place. We're gonna pop him in, and boom, we got ourselves another player. But now they're gonna have to purge basically their entire thing. Mangachu's luckily going to be able to stay because he's not well actually no i don't even know if that's the thing is that how far does the region locking go is it like you know north america is it continent based or is it it's based off of what the region is so if your region is north i know but like America canada East, where you is, have to be where getting that i guess is people canada a whole separate system I know. I. I mean, you don't. You don't see anything so like, like in this dealio you know, of what counts. I mean, the way that the map looks, it looks like North America East has Canada, 
And then North America West has like Mexico and the Caribbean. Yeah, I don't know. So you know, but at least I mean, if you want a South Korean team, then you have to make a contenders team based in South Korea. So you know. Mm Hmm. So it's just it's interesting. I really do. I do like that. Like it, it just brings more talent. And so, um, speaking of talent. Um, we now have the ability to become our own talents Woo! with the World Cup viewer that was great to watch and use. Like, I was amazed at how nice it was to use it. A, because I could ignore all the announcers if I wanted to, because I could watch the game myself and not have to listen to them be dummies half the time. But uh, also, just to kind of see the point of view, like, I was excited, like Baggins was talking about this, uh, watching the tanks play. That's why I'll. I knew let's just watching like the Chinese main tank Winsu. I can't pronounce his name. Starts with the G. Guiku Guika. Anyways, watching him play and that's just it was just cool to see that and I really like it and I hope they implement it to like the Overwatch League for season two so we can watch our favorite pro player. Yeah, and I mean way. if you want to keep the commentary, they do have an option to kind of delay um, the thing. You know, obviously after some time has passed, you can delay it back. Like say if there's a thirty second delay, you can delay it back 30 seconds to what you're watching and you basically have commentary but you can look at each view and if they say something about some player you can switch yourself if you want to or if you just really don't care you stay where you're at yeah no i i really like the way it was and you're just you're able to go to them in like sky view you're able to see just from point of views of players, you can change everything. And then going back and watching the games, too, was nice. Being able to slow it down, speed it up, change the angles, pause it. And just it's a very versatile tool, and it would be great for amateur coaching, be great for uh, just sometimes VOD reviews. And it's just I, I'm really excited. I really want this to get implemented uh, as soon as possible to the live servers because as my role in the YouTube channel I edit for for the Overwatch Dojo, it would be a phenomenal tool for them to use for their coaching that they do. So I'm really hyped. I really loved it. It worked out really well. And it also makes my life easier as a uh, recorder slash caster. Yeah, especially if they use it for the league. And, and it's too. like, well, we need some footage of this. Well, I can just go back and record it myself. Exactly. And I could find the angle. I could just you go, go into the specific hero and things like that. It'd be great. It'd be awesome. So... That's that's our thoughts on the World Cup viewer. Like it was it was just superb. I can't like you should still have time to go download it and view it for yourself. It should be up for the next couple of weeks and just experience it yourself, guys. It was it's really good. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought there weren't I think the only bug was in the first game where they had like the team swapped. Like they had the US players under the Britain banner and the Britain people under the US banner and just that was like the only bug I think that existed. Yeah, but they fixed that the pretty moment. quickly. So, yeah, so I'm really impressed with that. And so, just to quickly wrap up uh, today's segment, our random thought of the week. This is kind of lame because it's more food-based stuff. But is a pretzel a shape or a material? So, I think it's the shape. Because downstairs in our kitchen, I have a bunch of like pretzel grams. Basically, it's Teddy Graham shaped in the in the shape, or in you know like a pretzel. So it's a shape, in my opinion, because it's a pretzel. It says so on the bag. Yeah, Mr. Bags over here thinks it's a material. Grams, but an actual pretzel, 
no. is made with a certain dough and it has no. a certain texture and the outer part is semi-hard but soft at the same time. That's a pretzel. The pretzel stick from Sonic is made with the... It could no, also be a breadstick. It's a certain type of dough prepared a certain way with the nice salt on it. Whereas other things, it's just it's a pretzel shape. It's the shape of a pretzel. No, it says no. It says a pretzel it's gram. Not a pretzel. So it's in a pretzel shape. So that no. makes it just the shape is called the, the pretzel, only not the material itself. Because the original pretzels looked that way, so now everybody's copying the shape and putting different materials into it. But an actual pretzel is the material of the pretzel, the certain dough, the certain consistency. That's a pretzel. I mean, but then. So what you're saying is, is I could take a piece of baguette, put it in the shape of a pretzel, and then it's a pretzel. No, it's I said it's a certain. Bread I said it's a certain type. I could salt it of bread, certain type of dough. There's a specific dough and mixture that you do to make the pretzel. Again, here we are. You're not listening to the entire thing because you're like, no, no, it can't be. It's the shape, though, because that's what everybody. What, like, what, okay, like, okay. Like when, when, you, Sonic, when you go to a, a thing, pretzel. you know, say, a, let me go it, get a pretzel, and then you come back with like a candy cane pretzel. You no, you're expecting when someone says, "I'm gonna go get a pretzel," to go get a pretzel, oh not a shaped pre- a thing shaped in a pretzel. You know, like you're expecting them to come back with a pretzel, not you know, I'm I'm gonna get something in the shape of a pretzel. Otherwise, it's you know, like no. No, when when someone says you want a pretzel, mm. you don't think, oh, a Teddy Graham in the shape of a pretzel. You think a pretzel. Like even the small little pretzel. Yeah, the no. shape. You think no, of the you shape, think, you think You don't of, think you of think the of material, the though. You think of the shape. That tastes a certain way. No, you think like of the shape. That tastes like a pretzel with salt on it. No, you think that of the shape of it. That is what you think of when you think pretzel. No, no. no, immediately it goes to the shape of okay, a pretzel. Okay, pretzel sticks. Like they're not in the shape of a pretzel. It's the material. And you, you love those things. Okay? It's not it's it's not in the shape it's not it's, it's not trap. in the shape of a pretzel. It's a trap. It's still a pretzel because it's made it's out of that trap. material. It is not the shape, but we it's associate a, a pretzel with that shape because that is what it was originally shaped as. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Baggins has been sitting back here with like this glove. The funny thing is, I didn't actually think of that until just to now. Pull that just trigger. To try and counter your point. <laughs> He's like, oh man, I got this. Got this right off the top of my head. Okay. Okay. I can see your point there, Baggins. But then again, does it come down? Because those pretzel rods are not the soft. No, I. I feel like the reason They're that instead is the crunchier bit. So does so does is that really a pretzel then? I or feel like it's it only just that way because they put it in such stick. a small format. I think the dough itself is just no, because I think the consistency is different. I think well, it's a different, I mean, obviously I it's we, different kind we of dough. Don't know how they're made, so it's like we can't really be super, you know, analytical on this. But generally. Like obviously a soft material is not going to taste oh, the same as a hard material, but like let's just take the aftertaste. It's kind of the same with both. Like if you eat a fresh soft pretzel and then kind of sit there for a little bit, you've got this certain aftertaste. Or and then if you eat a hard pretzel, you kind of had the same aftertaste, just maybe slightly different. 
So it's still kind of the same material. I just feel like either it's a small form factor that is being so compact that it it's hard, or maybe they chill it or something, and that's what makes it hard. Like it depends on what they do to it to make it hard. Do they actually change it, or do they actually just do something a little bit different in the creation process that I feel makes like it's a totally that way? But thing. we aren't talking, you know, hardness or whatnot. We're just saying the material itself. Like it's still got the same brown tint to it. The inside is still the same coloration. So pretzel. Fine, Baggins. Mm. I'll semi-let you have this one. Um, so ma- put your comments what down do you below, guys. What do you think about that kind of conversation? I feel like you're... Yeah. So I feel like you're all going to side with Baggins, but that's okay. That's okay. I'll come up with a better one next week, and it hopefully won't be food-related. Um, so that will bring us to the end of the show, guys. Uh, once again, if you're listening on SoundCloud, uh, don't get super attached. Try and switch over to Anchor, or you can watch on YouTube, uh, things like that. Um, but, yeah, I think we covered a lot of cool topics. Let us know what you think down below. If you have any thoughts uh, of topics that we could cover on this show, uh, just put them in you know, comment. Comment down below anything you think we should do stupid. or uh, your thoughts on anything we have discussed. And, yeah, I hope you all did enjoy today's episode. And we will see you guys next week. See ya. Bye-bye.